The scripture reading this morning will come from the letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Listen for the word of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you, just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world. So it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learn from Ephrath, our fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since today we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. I want to say, first of all, thank you to Montreat, uh, to Richard DuBose and the staff here of this great institution, especially this time of year. I'm grateful to be here in front of all of you, and I also want to bring you greetings from the Presbyterian of Western North Carolina. For those of you who are not Presbyterian, don't worry about it. It doesn't mean anything. But I'm grateful to be among you. This morning, and may we open our ears and eyes to hear a word from the Lord. Let us pray. Oh Lord, truly we thank you for this opportunity to wake up this morning as your Holy Spirit leads us into this time of worship. May you help us to hear a word from you. May this word continue to give us consolation not only when things are well, but even when we face difficulties. Lord, let this word dwell within us. And as we go forth from here, may we live it out, being encouraged that you never leave us. Lord, I ask for these and other blessings. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Going back to the text, specifically in Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, it reads to us, May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience 
while joyfully giving thanks. A few days ago, I was reflecting on my life, and I could not believe it. It was 40 years ago. 40 years ago, during this time of year, I had finished my first year, my freshman year, at Whitworth College, now Whitworth University in Spokane, Washington. That was a long, long time ago. Y'all, that was back when dinosaurs walked the earth and Flint made fire, for sure. And I remember as I finished my first year, it was a real marker for myself because I was a young kid from South Central Los Angeles making my way to Spokane, Washington. And as I spent the time there on the campus of Whitworth College, I had a wonderful time. Now, you also have to remember back in all these times, this is before cell phones and laptops and all the electronics that we have access to as we speak. So there were only two ways that you had the opportunity to get in touch with somebody. It was number one, if you were lucky enough, on the hall that you lived in, there was a phone in the middle of the hall. And you remember some of the phones were pushed, but some of them were dial phones. Y'all remember what I'm talking about, some of you out here. So you had that number one option, but the favorite option for all of us was making sure that when you left your dorm, you went by the Hickson Union Building, which we called the hub back in those days, and it still is called the hub. That was the student union where everybody had a mailbox. Some of you may remember what it was like to have a mailbox back in those days. And, and so you all went by your mailbox every day on the way to class, on the way coming back from class, hoping that somebody had something for you within that mailbox. Now, it was good for us to have the mailbox because I said that was one of the few ways in which we had the opportunity to connect with the outside world back in those days. And every now and then, you, when you walk past by your box, you want to make sure you didn't have no junk mail in there. Some flyer that somebody or the school had put in the mailbox, but yet you want to have a letter or a card. Somebody who loved you. Somebody who had the opportunity to connect with you while you were gone. And for those of us who were out of town like myself, that was very important to have a letter. And so when you were doing well and you had the opportunity to open the mailbox, and the mailbox back in those days, for those of you who don't know, it, had, it was half metal and it was half glass and the metal portion had a combination to it. So you had to go to your mailbox and open the combination that was given to you when you were a freshman in school or whatever year it was, and you had to turn the combination. And then the bottom half was a clear glass that sometimes had your name, or not your name, had your number sketched on it. And my number was 864. And so I would pass by that mailbox every day, and I thought I would get something. And you know how you pass back two or three times, and you know the mail only comes once a day. You were looking for something that had a good word to it. And every now and then, you had a classmate that would leave a note in there for you. Say, how are you doing today? A couple other people that you would have a romantic relationship would write something to you. And you always knew what it was because it was written in red. You know, how they cared for you. And it was good. And, and we would receive care packages. And, and we would share care packages with each other. And sometimes people who had received a letter from home would share it with one another. 
But it was important, really, even more so in that first year. And for those of you who have been in college before, especially if you've been away, you know it's a transition. Uh, it, it was vitally important to have somebody write something to you. That when you were down, when, when you failed a test in one of your courses, when you had somebody that you were friends with and it didn't work out, when you was tired from running track like myself or others that were athletes, you wanted to go by that mailbox and see if someone had handwritten you something that was special, that they took the time to care about you. It was vitally important in those times when we were discouraged that maybe by the Holy Spirit, somebody would reach out to you and let you know that I'm still with you even when something is going wrong in your life. We find the same is happening here in the town of Colossae. For we see here that Paul had written this letter to the church there. And it was a letter that was delivered, you know, back on Papyrus back in those days. And, and, and it was something that was special for the churches in Colossae and the other churches there in Asia Minor. And Colossae itself was a very important city there in Asia Minor. It was a place of business, of commerce. And all the seas that were along the river there had the opportunity to see other people, had the opportunity to, to engage in business and to talk with people from all over the region. It was a very diversity. But also for the church, it was very important for you to know there was a lot of religious syncretism going on because there were Jewish practices that were happening there. There were Gnostic practices that were happening, and there were pagan influences, and some of that was filtering into the church. And we find out that when other people bring other things into the church that we're not used to, you can imagine that there were some problems that were going on because people were used to doing something one way, and I'm used to doing it this way, and they had to figure out how to live their lives as a Christian community together in Colossae. But what made it even worse is that there were opponents of Paul in the church. And they were, they were encouraging the believers there in Colossae that you have to do more than believe in Christ to be a part of this group. Some of them were saying that you had to adhere to some things that you couldn't touch this or you couldn't do that. Some of them were saying you need to observe some of the special holy times that's going on with these other religions. And some of them are saying we need to worship some of the angels and other celestial powers in order to be a part of this community here. But Paul came to them to let them know that you need to have endurance and steadfastness, endurance and steadfastness even in the midst of everything that is happening here within this place because Christ came for you. Christ is all that you need. So when we find ourselves, either individually or corporately, like the church in Colossae, how do we become encouraged with all the things that are happening that are going on within the world? You see, because, as I said before, the Colossians had faced difficulties. Opponents were telling them, don't touch this. Stay away from that. You can't eat this type of food. 
Some were saying that you have to go to this festival. Some were saying that you need to worship the Archangel Michael and some of the other angel gods that are going on within this place. They were facing difficulties. And believe it or not, beloved, we too in the church are facing difficulties. Most of you in here know what it was like and still know what it was like of trying to pastor somebody in the time of COVID. Wasn't that a crazy situation? You try to take care of people, but people will say we want to worship in person. We're trying to figure out what type of ministries we're going to have. We're trying to figure out where, whether or not to wear masks. We're trying to figure out how to live together. And everybody has an opinion. It doesn't matter whether you're red or whether you're blue or whatever the case may be. Everything that was happening here within our churches. And we're facing so much more. All we have to do is talk about mass shootings. There was an article yesterday in USA Today, and it was entitled, Every Crowd Everywhere, Fear Followers Witness of Mass Shootings and Radiates Across America. And so this particular article in part told the story of a woman whose name is Tia Christensen, and she had developed anxiety and post-traumatic stress disorder years after the shootings in Las Vegas at a music festival. During that time, when the shooting was happening, she was in a hotel room at the Mandalay Bay Resort in 2017 when the gunman killed 58 people and left hundreds injured. She recalled the fondness and intensity of the gunfire of a thousand bullets that she heard from just two rooms down from where the gunman was in the hotel. And the, and the person was firing from the window into the crowd. And she says, quote, some days, it's so top of mind and it's so overwhelming that it's difficult to get out of bed. And some days it's not possible for me to get anything done at all. Not even something as simple as the dishes. It's just too much. We find that the church is trying to gapple, grapple with what it means to be the church during social unrest. The shootings of George Floyd, the shootings of Breonna Taylor, and the shootings that go on and on and on, and we dealt with that and still dealing with that. And how do we continue to be or make a response to the church in this difficult time? We find out that even there are things going on with the government. I know that some of you have been glued to the TV watching the January 6th hearings and seeing what was happening to our country on that day, no matter where you stand in the whole issue. We find out that no matter who we are and where we go, even this week at the General Assembly, or the last three weeks for that matter, for the General Assembly here in the President Church USA that met in person for half the time and online, we've been feeling, dealing with a number of issues, and some of those issues are still difficult to grapple with. We find, beloved, today that it's difficult to be alive in some cases. It's difficult to be the church. It's difficult to follow the one who we call our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet we're called to remember that Paul calls them to be strong with all the strength. Because you remember that Paul had went through some things. He went through beatings. He went through persecutions. He went through jail. As a matter of fact, as he wrote this letter, it was supposed that he was in jail. But Paul didn't rely on himself. Paul relied on the strength of God, the one who came and emptied himself for us. 
Paul understood there is nothing that he can do or nothing he can say. It is everything what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ that allows us to be strong, that allows us to keep on moving, that when we face troubles and persecutions, when other people are looking at us, they want to know what makes you so strong in the midst of it in which you are facing. We find out today that yet we're called to be strong, but we will have to endure. We will have to endure like Paul. We will have to endure like our ancestors. We will have to endure like those who were in the civil rights movement. We will have to endure like those who have no place else to go. The Colossians will have to endure, and we as a church will have to endure. It was easy for us to think that just because we, leave in, just because we leave in, believed in the Lord, that everything would be all right. You ever heard that before? You give your life to Christ and everything's going to be all right. Well, I come to tell you, it may be eventually, but not all the time. It's difficult to endure difficult times. You see, it's hard to endure illness, especially when you think that you're living right and living the best, the best you can and that you're healthy. It's difficult when you go to the doctor and you have a little pain, you find out it's stage three or four cancer. It's hard to endure illness. It's hard to endure the breakup with a loved one. The person that you've been with just for a little bit that you thought cared for you or the person that you've been with for a lifetime and they're no longer with us. It's hard to endure the stress and strain of everyday life, trying to deal with COVID, trying to deal with unemployment, trying to deal with sickness, trying to deal with all those things that may separate us from having our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But it is patience as the text says, that will bring us through because we know that endurance builds patience. There is a story of a young lady who was driving a car and her father was sitting next to her in the passenger seat. And just a few miles after they had gotten into the car, they had come upon a storm. And the girl had asked her father since she was driving, what shall I do? And the father said, keep driving. After a few more miles, she saw that the other cars, because of the intensity of the storm, were starting to pull off to the side of the road. And the storm started to get worse. And so the young girl at the wheel had said, Daddy, I'm starting to get scared. Should we pull over? And the father said, no, keep driving. After a few more miles, she saw that most of the cars that were on the road started to pull over. Seeing this, the young lady started to slow down her car and said to her father, Daddy, I think we should pull over now because I can't even see the road clearly in front of me. But the father said, no, just keep driving. And as she drove, the storm seemed more terrible. It became more and more difficult for the young lady to see the way forward on the road. And she felt like she should stop and pull over to some safe place. However, she kept on driving like her father had told her to do. And finally, after a little while, she was able to see clearer than she was before. And after a few miles, she had came out of the storm completely. The father said, honey, you could pull the car over now if you want. And the girl said, well, daddy, why now? We're out of the storm. We're clear. We can keep on going. The father looked at her and smiled and said, when you get out, you can look at all those people who gave up because they are still struggling because of the storm. You never gave up and you kept going forward. And because you never gave up, your storm is now over. Beloved, today, 
and all the things that we have to face and all the difficulties there in front of us. I want you to be encouraged like Paul did with all the churches that he had a relationship with, that we are called, as it says in Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, because it may not happen now, it may not happen tomorrow, it may not happen in a month or so, but I can let you know that trouble don't last always, that there will be a ray of sunshine at the end of the clouds, but yet we are called to keep on knowing that God walks with us. And yet, when we've come through the storm, when we've come through our difficult times in life, we are encouraged to joyfully give thanks. That we're called in everything to give thanks. Because if you look at it, look where we are now. You may not be where you want to be, but thank God you're not where you used to be. We may not have the health that we had. Our eyes may be getting a little dimmer. Our hair may be getting a little bit thinner. Our gait may be getting a little bit slower. But yet, thank God that God has brought you through. When you look at all the other things that have happened in your life, that you are still here. And may you, in your time of difficulty, may you look for an encouraging word because in the midst of everything that you're facing, whether it's the people in Colossae, whether it's you in your individual life, or whether it's us collectively as the church of Jesus Christ, the new news and encouraging news will come. You see, for some of us, it may come as a direct message on Facebook. For others of us, it may come in a tweet if you're using Twitter. For others of us, it may come through a dance in TikTok. For some of you, it may come by a picture in Instagram. For others, it may come to you via video if you use Marco Polo. But I've come to let you know, just like Colossians and just like the Bibles that we have, there's nothing as good as an old-fashioned letter. Amen.